0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC. My name is Corman Johnston, and welcome to the Better Buy.
1: Welcome to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier. Each week, we talk to experts about the highs and lows of home ownership and share stories, advice, and practical tips you can actually put to work in your own space. In this episode, I'm speaking with Carmen Johnston, an expert gardener and landscaper. Through her two companies, Carmen Johnston Gardens and Bespoke Garden Plans, she's transformed countless outdoor living spaces across the U.S., Carmen has been featured in Southern Living and Country Living magazines and appears on HGTV's Smart Home as the outdoor living design expert. Hi, Carmen. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to chat today. I'm going to dive right in. You've said that creating lush, beautiful spaces that engage the senses and create a backdrop for unforgettable moments is a driving passion of yours. So I'm wondering if you can speak to an unforgettable moment you've experienced in your own backyard.
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So, well, to tell the truth right now, we actually are in the process of renovating an older home from the late 60s. And the backyard... (laughs) It's all tree stumps right now. We actually have renovated the front. We had to take down about 30 trees because the root system was invading the foundation of the home, which was a pretty big eye-opening experience. So for a lot of y'all, there are certain trees you do not plant next to the foundation of a house (laughs) because of that. What are those trees? Magnolias, never, ever, ever plant a magnolia tree. And I know we have listeners all over the country, so there are different ones, but never plant a magnolia close to your home because the roots are extremely invasive. And did you
1: choose the property for its landscaping potential? How do you identify a property that has landscaping potential?
0: Okay, so personally, we chose this home because it actually was the neighborhood that my husband's grandmother developed. So there was a lot of personal things there. But for our listeners, there's a lot of things that you need to check into before you start a landscape project, more so if you're purchasing a home, number one check the drainage. Check where does the water flow? Where is the water moving? How's the water basically circulating around the house? What I mean by that is like our home, we had water running underneath our house. When you get an inspection before you buy a home, make sure you check out all the drainage. Was it flooding the house or just running underneath it? Running underneath it, like seeping through the foundation because the house wasn't properly waterproofed. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
1: We had a similar problem. It's funny you're speaking to this because I didn't know it was a thing, honestly. And I'm my second year of living in my first home that I own. And we had this pool of water that would collect at the bottom of a hill on our property. And my husband would sit out on the deck staring while it rained at the direction of the water flowing. And he figured out where it was coming from and eventually planted this five-inch, I don't even know what it's called, some kind of metal barrier along the driveway that stopped it entirely from happening and it transformed the
0: property. That is such a great point, Melanie. Anytime you're about to buy a home, always go over there when it's raining. Make sure you go over there and you watch, especially during a heavy rain, because the yard's going to tell on itself.
1: I love that. Can you tell me how you first fell in love with gardening and landscaping?
0: Yeah. So I grew up in a town outside of Atlanta. So I'm fortunate in the South, we get to garden, I mean, pretty much year round. But my dad is Austrian. And so if you've ever traveled overseas or to, you know, Austria Europe or any of that, it's in their blood. It's in their DNA. So I was fortunate enough. I grew up with my dad who gardened, I I wouldn't say necessarily every day, but it was just part of our life, right? We always had a garden. We always had beautiful window boxes filled with geraniums. So I grew up with him, but then I also married a gentleman whose family was in the greenhouse business. So that's kind of how the whole business, how everything started and where the passion. Probably no accident. I always tell everybody that I married my husband so I could get free flowers for the rest of my life.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's a fantastic perk. I'm not sure I've ever heard a better one. (laughs) So it was in your blood, you might say.
0: A hundred percent. It's just something I truly love to do. And it's so much fun to help other people create beautiful spaces, whether it's through our bespoke garden plans or whether it's through our clients that we service through our other business, through Nectar and Company. When they get to celebrate special occasions like birthdays, graduations, Christmas, and they're doing it in just this beautiful garden, beautiful yard, it makes the event even more special, especially when we get those text messages. It was so nice that we had the most beautiful garden to celebrate in. So that's what makes me so excited about gardening and creating this special area so people can celebrate special times in their life.
1: It is magical, a good gardening experience. What are the basic gardening principles that you wish everyone knew or that you find yourself having to explain to clients
0: over and over again? The number one thing I think that's super important for people is you always got to have a game plan. And I think that a lot of people, it's hard because if they don't have the experience, how do you get that game plan? If you're starting over or if you're starting a landscape project, you're like, where do you begin? Right. You get overwhelmed. And so there's a lot of great resources out there. Check with your local garden center because they're also going to be a huge wealth of knowledge. But get a landscape design. Invest money and get a plan. That's why we started Bespoke Garden Plans because so many people are reaching out to us on Carmen Johnston Gardens on Instagram. Like, we need help. We don't know what to do. So start with the landscape plan. And number two. Break it down into phases. Don't think that you have to do everything all at one time. I think a lot of people get so overwhelmed because they see the front yard, the backyard. There's so many things to tackle in a garden. Mm -hmm. Just take it one season at a time. Even for our clients, we present this huge plan and like, we're going to do this this spring. We're going to do this in the fall. We're going to do this in the winter. Don't think you have to do it all at one time. And third is drainage. You heard me talking about this earlier. You know, if you don't have a good foundation for your garden, it's going to be really hard for things to grow in. So if things are sitting in water, if things are being like flooded, if water is not moving properly through your garden or through your yard, you're going to have a really hard time having a successful yard or garden.
1: I think your point about allowing your garden to take shape in phases is so on point and reminds me also about home renovations in general. People are so accustomed, it seems, to these before and after shots or videos that they see on Instagram that they've come to believe that these things happen instantaneously, but they just don't. They require time. And I think you have a principle you speak to on Instagram,
0: sleeps, creeps, leaps, about the patience you have to apply to gardening. Can you explain that? So for those of y'all who do not follow me on Instagram, there's something that I tell all of my clients and you hear me say this a lot. Anytime you plant anything, anything, especially a garden, the first year it sleeps the second year it creeps, and the third year it leaps, meaning you have to have patience in the garden, right? It's not something that is instant. And also, too, I think it's so important people know, let the garden talk to you. A garden is collected just like a home is collected inside. I think if you do it all at one time, it looks like it's forced, and I want it to look like Mother Nature had a hand in it. And so, yes, we're helping Mother Nature, but we want Mother Nature to help us, too. So be patient. Be patient. Just realize, it's not something that's all going to happen at once it takes time it takes time as all good
1: things do one might say what are the tools that every aspiring gardener should own
0: okay i don't want everyone to be like super overwhelmed so i'm going to tell on myself so we don't mow our own lawn we have a gentleman that helps us mow our lawn so how can you like take those things that make it easier you know we have a blower i think you need to have a really good pair of clippers hand pruners. Need to have a wheelbarrow. You need to have tarps. Tarps are like my go-to. Tarps allow you to throw debris on them. They allow you to drag things around the yard very easily. And you need to have really good watering tools, like watering wands and hoses. I think that's a great starter kit. Then eventually you can get into like the heavy duty stuff. Like we have, you know, we have like rotor tillers and all different kinds of things for the heavier, bigger jobs that we do for our clients. But Just remember, you don't need a lot of different things. And it's okay to outsource things. You mentioned that people seem to
1: have a fear of gardening because it seems so overwhelming. Why do you think that is?
0: You know, I think one of the things is they think that they have failed because they killed a plant. Right. Okay. Listen, I think gardening is a lot like cooking. How many recipes have you made that did not taste very good? But did you quit cooking? no, you didn't. I mean, and I want everybody to know that I still kill plants. You know, you have to try things. Certain things are going to work out better in an area. Things are going to not work well, but just don't give up and keep trying. I don't want people to get so intimidated and they just quit. But I've heard so many great comments through our Instagram, like, you've inspired us to get back in the garden. You've given us the confidence. And that's why I'm always telling them, don't give up. You can do it. Yeah.
1: It's such a good comparison to cooking in a kitchen. Huh. Yeah. And I guess in the kitchen, it's also important to experiment, right? To get the best results. Does the same hold true in the garden? A
0: hundred percent. Some gardens and yards, they're going to be a lot different. You have different sun requirements, different shade requirements, different plants are going to light different areas better. So just trial it. And the other thing too, a lot of people think that they have to go buy 10 of a plant to try it out. Just buy one. And a great entry way if you're new to gardening is container gardening. If you can't tackle your whole entire yard, start with some pots. Or start with some containers. That is a really easy way to kind of get yourself familiar with what works well and try not to do 10 different plants in a container. Just do maybe three different plants or even just one. Just plant a fern. Keep it in the shade. Get comfortable with it. I think people try to take on too much. And a
1: container can mean anything from a windowsill box to a pot or even I've seen people start seeds indoors with egg cartons. I've tried that myself with my daughter. It can really mean a variety of things.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, you can do it in a wheelbarrow. I've seen all kinds of crazy things. Just try it. Just start. And even if it's just buying a simple house plant, you know, pothos, that's P-O-T-H-O-S. That is always such a great plant. Everybody should try. It maybe needs to be watered once a month. It's a great house plant. It's really hard to mess up. So just try something. That way you can at least kind of get your feet wet and see if you like it.
1: Can you tell me some of the most common gardening or landscaping mistakes you see homeowners make, aside from planting magnolias too close to the house? (laughs) The
0: number one is overwatering. A lot of people struggle with watering. And this is the thing. It's a really hard thing to teach. It's an art form. It's not a science. I think a lot of people think, well, if I watered it on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it's going to succeed. We in Georgia just had five inches of rain this past week. Then you wouldn't water it. Imagine if you jumped in a pool and you did not come up for air. What would happen? You would die. It's the same thing. The plant needs air. It needs circulation. It needs those different things to survive. So when you have plunged it into a pool of water... That's where it fails. So the best tip that I can give is to keep the soil moist to the touch. And then two, let it dry out maybe for a day. Not five days, not 10 days, not three days. But that's hard, I think, for people to learn how to water. But once you can learn that, then I think you're golden in the garden. Right.
1: It's a good point. I think people do look for that formula or set schedule of when to water, but really you need to take cues from the environment and actually check the soil and make sure it's moist and not sopping. I personally am a chronic underwaterer. My husband is a chronic overwaterer, so we have a lot of problems in our house.
0: (laughs) But that's okay. You can still learn. And, And that's why another thing too is pay attention to the plant tag. If your husband's a chronic water, he likes to overwater, look for those plants that love water. It'll tell you those different things. If you do not like to water, Melanie, succulents are going to be for you or things like that do not need a lot of water. So there are personalities of plants that work really well for everyone's watering personality.
1: You mentioned indoor gardening a little bit, and I'm wondering if you can speak on a higher level about the difference between indoor and outdoor gardening.
0: So I think this is so funny. I actually was flying out to Santa Fe and one of my colleagues who was with me she does a lot of indoor gardening and she trying wanted to try the outdoor gardening. She goes, I did not realize the commitment <laughs> that the outdoor gardening took versus the indoor gardening. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, I mean, the indoor is just not a lot of time. I maybe water like once every week or once every two weeks, but outdoors, I have to water like almost every other day. And you know what? That was such an eye-opener for me. So when you ask about the difference of what I want to call the time commitment, An indoor plant does not need nearly as much attention as the outdoors because the indoor environment, it's a little bit more controlled versus the outdoors. If it's super sunny, it's super hot, it takes more time. So I would say that's the biggest differentiator. Indoor is a lot easier, I think, than than outdoor. That makes sense. All the
1: more reason why starting indoors is probably the best bet for our newbies. Yes, a great
0: gateway. I'm telling you, get that pothos plant. It's so easy. And you're (laughs) going to feel like you are the queen of gardening uh, once you see that thing thrive. We have them all over the office. They're super easy.
1: We'll be back with more from Carmen Johnston after the break. Welcome back to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier, and today I'm speaking with Carmen Johnston. Can you tell us briefly about hardiness zones and why it's so important to know what zone you live in if you are going to tackle that outdoor gardening?
0: Yes. So the USDA has a zone map, and they update this every few years But your zip code and where you live determines what you can and cannot plant. So, for example, we live in Zone 8, so we're very fortunate. There's a lot of things that we can plant. But if you live in Zone 4, there are certain things that you cannot plant that we can plant and vice versa. So it's so important when you are purchasing a plant to look on the plant tag. And if you don't see a plant tag, go find somebody at the garden center. But the plant tag tells you so much information and it will tell you the zone that this plant works well in. So another thing too is you can always Google it and just know that there are so many incredible plants for every single zone. You just need to find the ones that work well for you.
1: Know your zone.
0: Very important.
1: Have you ever gotten a ridiculous landscaping request from a client or just totally disagreed with a client about their vision
0: for their exterior? So I think I have a certain aesthetic, and I think I talked about a little bit earlier, where I don't feel like a garden should be forced, right? And I'm so fortunate. So many of my clients trust me. They trust the process. They trust where we're going. But there's sometimes that, and it doesn't happen very often, but they just want certain things in their garden. I'm like, this is not going to work. But they try it and it dies. We do get some outlandish requests, but not a ton. It's mainly our clients wanting to try plants that we know do not work.
1: In the vein of speaking about gardens that feel more natural, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about the trend towards clover
0: lawns and alternatives to grass in general. So I'm a huge proponent. Of that. It's the most beautiful, beautiful thing. But, you know, clover delivers nitrogen back into the ground. So that's the purpose of why a lot of people are planting clover. My dad literally has his whole yard in Atlanta is solid clovers because there's so many benefits that comes from. So, yes. And
1: the upkeep is easier, right? Easier than grass?
0: a lot easier. There's no chemicals. It's just so much safer for our environment. And I love seeing a lot of these natural landscapes. They're coming more to life because it's so much better for our planet, so much better for our Earth. I am with
1: you. That's the approach I'm taking. I figure if it's green and natural, why not have it? I think some people remain stuck in the grass yard mindset. And I'm not even sure why. It must have been a fad people have just sort of adopted. And Maybe not stop to question, but as you noted, clover is great for the environment, easier to sustain, and it's beautiful. You just have to let go of your grass fixation.
0: Right. I think it was just kind of maybe ingrained in us that that was part of like suburbia America, right? So I think the more and more people are introduced to it and they start seeing that less manicured look, it's going to become more in style. I
1: hope the trend takes hold in a much bigger way. Kerman, is there... A simple, cost-effective way to transform an exterior, or is it going to cost a lot of money and time no matter what?
0: Super easy way and the fastest way to transform any exterior is put two containers next to your front door and plant your mailbox and cut the grass. If you have grass in the front yard and mulch, just those few little things you can transform Any front yard, especially if you're trying to sell your home or if you're getting ready for a party, you're getting ready for entertaining, that's a really cost-effective way to transform any front yard. And you can do that in the back as well. Put some containers around with some shrubs or some trees in the containers or plantings, and it's just an instant, fast way to spruce things up. It's a great point to zero
1: in on the focal points and make a big difference that way. Curb appeal.
0: Where's the eye going to land? The eye is always going to land at the front door and by the mailbox.
1: Do you have any pointers for our listeners who may want to start their own vegetable gardens? I feel like that is another sort of trend in the space definitely taking hold.
0: Okay, so the easiest way to start a vegetable garden is tomatoes. So anyone who wants a vegetable garden and you do not want to dig in the ground or you don't want to have to build any raised beds— Go buy a container, 24 inches in diameter, 24 inches and up. You can plant one tomato in there, get a tomato cage, and it's the easiest way to start a vegetable garden. I mean, you could have a vegetable garden in less than two hours.
1: I Actually, I'm surprised that a tomato is the answer. In my mind, I'm, you know, a vegetable garden novice. I thought tomatoes were difficult to keep alive. No.
0: They're not super hard to keep alive. Also, it's super important that you know that the tomato plant that you buy at the local garden center is a foot tall. Make sure you plant six inches of it below the dirt level. That really helps the tomato take off and expand. But squash is super easy to grow. Radishes are the easiest thing to grow, especially by seed. That just takes cooler temps. But I would think that you could plant three tomato plants and you're set for the season. And then I think chickens are super easy too. I think a lot of people get so overwhelmed with it, but they make great chicken houses now that you can buy at the local hardware store and just have two chickens to start out with. And it's so much fun for your family. And then I think especially for children when they see where do the eggs actually come from. And it's always such a fun gift to share with our friends and family. We love to give out cartons of eggs for gifts. And the whole reason why I love to garden is to be able to share with my friends.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Is there a plant you most identify with?
0: Oh, wow. That, hmm. A plant that I most identify with. Uh, or most resemble. You know, Melanie, I'll be honest with you. I've never been asked that question <laughs> before. <laughs> a it's a weird one. I know. But that's okay. That's okay. The plant that, oh, 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 I can't. Okay. Rosemary. Oh, Rosemary. Let me tell you why. And not because of the looks, but because I love the meaning of Rosemary. Rosemary grows where strong women live. Ooh. A lady that I used to um, babysit for in college taught me that she said anywhere that you ever live, you always need to have rosemary planted because it gives you strength and that's that's the meaning behind it. That's a wonderful answer. I like to think that I'm pretty tough and I'm strong at times, so I would say rosemary. Perfect.
1: What is the most mesmerizing garden you've ever visited? Are there any gardens, I suppose, open to the public that you recommend our listeners visit?
0: Okay, I'm gonna do one stateside and then I'm gonna do one internationally. Perfect. So, Longwood Gardens out in Pennsylvania. Have you ever been, Melanie, before? I have not. Oh my goodness, it was built by the DuPont family, and it's endowed by the DuPont family, but Longwood Gardens has the most beautiful conservatory. They change it out regularly, especially for the holidays. It is absolutely stunning. They have the most beautiful water gardens. They have the most beautiful greenhouses. It's just stunning. And if you're up around that area, one of my favorite garden centers by there is Terrain. Hmm. Terrain at Stire. So that is definitely worth a trip. It's just an incredible garden. Okay, internationally. So I have been super lucky. Of course, so what do we do when we travel? When we plan our trips, where do you think we go? We go and see gardens around the world. I love that. So I would say this is going to be the King's Palace in Bangkok. I literally told my husband, I was like, I don't think I have ever seen anything more beautiful in my life. Wow. Not only are the plantings stunning, but the beautiful water gardens and the mosaics. So that is one of my favorite gardens. And then I have to slip one more in there too. In Singapore, the National Orchid Garden is absolutely a sight to see. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of orchids. So if you really want to tantalize your eyes for something you've never seen before, and there's so many other beautiful gardens, but those are some of my favorites.
1: I must admit, I've never planned a trip around a garden, and yet two that stand out to me are, have you ever been to the, I believe it's pronounced Bonaventure Cemetery in Savannah? I have not. Maybe it's not technically a, I don't know what, Constitutes garden, technically, but the trees are just fantastic, and it's this very natural landscape, and my husband and I rented bicycles and just biked around this cemetery for hours. It was fantastic. And then I of course, have to mention that if you ever find yourself in Iowa, there is, of course, Better Homes and Gardens, test garden that has been around for 25 years now. And it's been run by the same woman since the day it opened. And it's really fantastic. So you'll have to come by.
0: Wait, so can the public come see that at any time? Or how does that work? I believe
1: certain days of the week it's open to the public, not every day. And in Iowa, it's cold in the winter. But there are several months where it is open, so.
0: Trip, we need to come visit. Yeah. I did not know that. And I think what makes it more special is that that one woman has orchestrated that garden the entire time. That's so special. She is fantastic. Yes, definitely.
1: I'd love to wrap up with a quick round of word association if you're up for it. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I just feed you a word and you reply with whatever comes to mind immediately.
0: Okay, okay. Okay. Bloom-struck. Just because I was looking up bloom-struck hydrangeas this morning as we're working on a hydrangea guide. So I don't know if you're familiar with bloom-struck hydrangeas, but they're absolutely stunning. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Success. Mm, What is success? So what does success mean? I'm going to relate it into the garden. So success to me in the garden is walking out and just feeling that joy and that happiness of what the garden gives back to you. And you'll know what I mean if you've had that, if you have a garden. You know, it's something that I do every single morning as I I walk out onto the front porch of the farm. And even if it's just for two minutes and I just stand there on the front porch and I look out and I'm like, "Mm, this feels so good. This is success. I love that water. Water watering plants right now. That's such a hot topic. Everyone's asking about how do we keep our plants alive during the summertime. And we do have a few like tips and tricks, but set up a drip system. That's what I think about when I think of water. Time. Oh my goodness. We don't have enough of it. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we had more of it, but we are actually trying to be more aware of how we're spending our time, especially in our Mm -hmm. business right now. And so business-wise, but You know, I guess take time to smell the roses also, too. I think it's hard for us when you are a business owner. And I'm sure you understand what I mean, Melanie, is trying to Mm -hmm. take time to spend with your friends and your family because you get so consumed Mm -hmm. by everything. But just try to take time for ourselves too, which is hard. (laughs) And finally, storms. Oh, we're having a lot of storms right now in Georgia. This is our time of year. In fact, we had a really bad storm last night. But with storms, I always like to remind people it brings revitalization. So anytime that a storm or trees or different things get knocked down, just remember that's Mother Nature's way if you get to bring something new into the garden.
1: That's a wonderful perspective on storms. Herman, can you tell me all about what a bespoke gardening plan is, why it's
0: important, and what exactly you offer through bespoke plans? So Bespoke Garden Plans came out of Instagram, and we were getting so many questions about people wanting a custom landscape plan for their garden, and that's exactly what it is. We do them all over the United States. We have an incredible team of architects that we all work together, and we create a custom landscape plan. It's all done virtually. You send us your pictures, you send us some different ideas, and we go back and forth with you. And in about four to six weeks, we deliver you a beautiful custom landscape plan that either you can install or you can have a contractor install. And remember how I was saying earlier, I think it's so important to have a game plan in the garden. This is your game plan. We're giving you the confidence. We've made all the mistakes. We're removing all those roadblocks and we're making it super easy for you to implement so you can have that beautiful yard.
1: That makes sense. The more you plan in advance, the more likely your garden is to thrive. A hundred percent. And it gives you the confidence. We were speaking earlier about how so many people really do have this mental block that they can't garden for some reason, but it is a practice that's within reach, especially if you have a good plan.
0: It is. It's a roadmap. It's a roadmap that tells you what to do and what to plant, where to plant, how many to plant. And it's all of the right things. It's all the right plants. So you don't Make any mistakes. It's a very cost savings measure. Remember you we were talking about cost? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is an upfront cost. But trust me, I've heard this from so many times. And we actually had an email this morning. We made this mistake on our last house and we're not doing it again. We are getting a landscape plan so we can save money in the long run. Right. You wouldn't build a house without good plans. so. It's You're exactly right. You
1: should approach your exterior with the same degree of care, I would think. Yes. Wonderful. Well, that's very exciting. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank
0: you. This was so much fun. And, you know, we love Better Homes and Gardens. It's always so much fun to get that in the mailbox and to look through it and to see all the fun and incredible ideas. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: listening to The Better Buy from Better Homes and Gardens. Be sure to follow The Better Buy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We'd love your feedback, so please rate this podcast and leave us a review. You can also find us online at bhg.com slash podcast And make sure to come back next week for more. Here's a preview. My name is Whitney Lee Morris. I am a designer and the founder of the Tiny Canal Cottage, and I really love to focus on right-sized, sustainable design. I'll see you then.